Let's to Judges chapter 7, please. Judges chapter 7. Thank you for that message in Psalm. I guess on the same theme that, praise the Lord, that we've been born again. We are not what we used to be. And God is working and he desires to see you to be molded and to be changed and to uh, be tried and tested. And, you know, he wants to encourage us to be like him, to prepare us, uh, to just, not just to look like him, but to act and think like him. And I think that's very, uh, um, very appealing because he could have made us without thought or will or just to just serve him. But the Lord wants us to willingly serve him. And so we see this man Gideon and how that God is doing a major work in his life and sees uh, tremendous potential. And there's problems that got to be fixed and taken care of and it's amazing to me how quick this is all taking place this is not a uh, long process it's just right i mean it's a couple of days really so god is building and working on what was already there and so you say well pastor you don't understand where i've come from what who i am or just i i have nothing to offer well i beg to differ you have everything to offer and that is your heart God wants your heart. That's all he wants. And if he wants to use you, which he will, just be willing. Just And that's the biggest thing is to have a sweet and tender spirit. Tender and teachable. And when, when you have that, you're going to be a joy to be around because the love of God's going to flow through you. So this man Gideon, he's, he's part of the process. And we find him now that... Uh, the Lord's further preparing him, and uh, last week we looked in how that um, in Judges seven verses one through eight, and we all, we only made it about uh, part way through. I think, uh, well, two verses, <laughs> but uh, uh, I I didn't intend to part in the spot that we did, but I think the Lord wanted us to, and. Uh, we spoke specifically about verse 1 where then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early. We kind of parked here for some time about rising up early. And just making the Lord our focus in our day. And if you make him the focus of your day, you do that enough days, what is it? That's the Lord. Lord's the focus of your life. Because what is your future? It's a bunch of today's. And if you make the Lord your priority and, and just in, in making him in, in his word and in his, your, I don't know, if you, you get the word of God in you right away, it changes your outlook on the day. I find myself coming back to him more and more throughout the day. And I shared uh, this thought uh, recently at, um, at Roseway, and uh, I mentioned that statement and one of the folks said, you know, I, I find that if I start the day with the Lord, I end the day with the Lord. Amen. I thought that was pretty profound. The person didn't intend it, but I'm just like, wow, yeah. praise the Lord. So there's a lot of things that Gideon's learning here, and I think that we can glean from. And so we'll, we'll read the passage again, and, and then I'll review for a moment, and we'll continue on. 
So they rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them, by the hill of Mori in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for, to, for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall I go with thee, and the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But of the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By three hundred men, or by the three hundred men that lapped, will I save you. And deliver the Midianites into thine hand. And let all the other people go, every man, unto his place. So the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man, to his tent, and retained those 300 men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. So we're looking at a couple of points here. First of all, the preparation, the preparing of the, the people, and, the, the, and then second, the plan. How are we going to do this? This is what we're going to do. And then they start to do it. We looked at how that uh, in the preparation, they were passionate, not procrastinate. They got up right away. They rose early. They went to the place of water. And they were in a position of advantage. They were on a hill. And Midian was beneath them in the valley. Now, just imagine, though, that what that looked like. You're with 32,000 against 135,000. Your people fill the hill, but the enemy fills the valley. Yeah. I'd rather fill a valley than a hill. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, so that's why they call this place the, the well of Herod. That's the well of trembling. That's what Herod means. It's a Hebrew word. It means shaking in your boots. I kind of added that. But, you know, I think it's, you know, that's, that's what we're saying here. Yes, and shaking in their sandals. So then we looked at the plan here and how that, uh, okay, this is what's going on. And then the people that they set themselves in array and then wait, now God's going to talk. Verse 2. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many. Excuse me? We're reading this morning in, um, in Judges chapter 12 and how that... Uh, after uh, Jephthah uh, defeated uh, the enemy, you know what, uh, the Ammonites, then they started fighting against the Ephraim, wanted to have glory. And you know how many fell of Ephraim? 42,000. So the more people died then than there were with them in this army. Yeah. There's 32,000. Yeah. And so God says, no, nope, that's too many. Um, wait, excuse me? Lord, what's going on here? You ever feel like that in your life of, you know, God's doing a work you don't understand. He's maybe drawing you to a place of, you know, uh, discomfort. Mm -hmm. 
It's, you know, anything that's new or different can be uncomfortable. But that's where, the, that's where faith shines. Just trusting the Lord. Just depending on Him. So three aspects we're looking at here. Excluding God. God's going to excuse the fearful and the afraid. afraid. And then third, the eccentric chosen. The eccentric. That's just a cute way of saying the odd and the peculiar. So... God's concerned that we'll exclude him. So this happened a long time ago. Is this spirit still alive? Excluding God? You know what's frightening is that we can exclude God. You know, we can say, you know, in our pride, we can say, well, I'm sure there's people meeting in our town today in a church. It's called, it's a building called a church. It's not. God's church, but it's called the church. And uh, some even met yesterday. The JWs met yesterday. You know, and it's just, but where was God? See, that's, that's the question. You find a church. Uh, I have a family member that's looking for a church. And, you know, she's like, you know, just which church should I go to? Find one where God is. God's got to be there. And um, somebody asked for a church in Barrie, Ontario. And I'm like, okay, well, Lord, I was asking the Lord. And it's nice nowadays, you can go on and look at doctrinal statements online. And I found a good one, a good doctrinal statement. I'm like, wow, looks pretty good. And you know what? The Lord is using it. See, that's the thing is, is it, you know what a doctrinal statement is? It's where a church agrees with this book. Amen. So... May we not exclude God, not just in, in his salvation. We're going to talk about that here uh, shortly. But, you know, just maybe not exclude him in our life. You know, seek him while you're young. If you're not saved, seek him now. If you're not young and you're not saved, seek him now. Do not exclude him from your life. And then, Christian, let's not look for ways to not include God in our life. That, you know, if, if Jesus went to the cross and, and died in our place and was beaten and bruised and bloodied for our sin, so that sounds pretty selfless to me. Right. What is it when we exclude God from our life? That's selfish. So we have a choice. We can be selfless, like our master, or we can be selfish and to hoard our heart, our time, our talents from God. I told you the story and I ended with this last week and how that a beggar sat at the gate of a rich man's home from whose bountiful hand he had received constant gifts. One day the rich man wanted to send a message as quickly as possible and his servants were all busy. So he found the beggar and asked him to make the delivery for him. Lifting himself up with pride, the beggar answered his benefactor with these astonishing words. I solicit alms, sir. I do not run errands. But how many times do we treat our Heavenly Father this way? Yeah. To where that, God, I, that's not okay. My, here's my reasonable service. What you are asking me to do is, is, that's too much. There's nothing that God can ask too much of. If God asks, we should say, yes, Lord. 
So that brings us to now in verse 3 and how that uh, the excused are the fearful and the afraid. So instead of recruiting for the army, increasing the men, the men are going to decrease. Verse 3 says, Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, what is the name of the well? The well of trembling. They're all afraid. But I think that, you know, some are more than others. So of the 32,000, it says here, let him depart or return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And they returned to the people 20 and 2,000 and remained 10. So there's this uh, depart early. May we as Christians not depart early. If you are not dead... And if the Lord has not returned, then may we not depart from God. The Lord will call us home one way or another. Until then, because I find myself wanting to just, heaven sounding sweeter all the time. Read the news. Listen to the news. It's depressing. What this world is coming to, this world that hates God, and is beginning more and more to encroach on our freedoms and liberties. But... Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him depart early. Turn with me to Luke 14. The Lord just kind of zoomed in on this thought of uh, let him depart, return and depart. God is giving the people opportunity to leave. That's completely different than not coming at all. Not coming and having excuses. Then for the master to excuse you. Right? You know, we can come and ask, you know, would you excuse me? No. Okay, well then, thanks. <laughs> I'll go back to my line then. Right? And it's another thing to depart early on your own, and then you're what's called AWOL, absent without leave. Yeah, you're a deserter. Then that is a punishable offense. So in Luke 14, we're going to read verses 16 to 24, and I want you to see the just the heart of God. Now, the context here is God calling people to to salvation, but I want you to see the people's response. Um, Luke 14, verse 16 says, "Then he, Jesus, said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many." And send his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, I go to prove them, I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife. That seems random, doesn't it? Okay. I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed, the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is still room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and Compel them to come, and that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden 
shall taste of my supper. So what God is trying to, to encourage people to do is to come. But there's people with excuses. So what, what's your excuse? I mean, there's, we have all kinds of excuses. None of them are any good, but, you know, this, um, uh, the first two excuses were, you know, they're, I've bought a piece of ground, verse 18. Second one is, I have bought five oxen. oxen. Okay, you've, your focus is on the world. Your focus is on material things. Now, the way that they're going about buying things is backwards, don't you think? You would think yeah. you would, if you bought a piece of ground, you'd have seen it first. <laughs> I bought a piece of ground. I'm going to go see it some more. You know, uh, I, I bought some oxen. I don't know what they look like. I don't know if they pull or not. I didn't realize. Do you know oxen love to pull? Yeah. I mean, it's like something that they enjoy. There's certain breeds of dogs that uh, you put a harness on them, they will pull because they want to. Yes, like a husky or a type of, you know, those types of breeds of animals, they you know what they like to pull is a sled. They love it. Yes, sir. And it's just some animals. They, that's the way God made them was to, to be uh, part of something. Well, okay. You know, I bought some oxen. What, yeah, they got four legs and they're hairy and smell. <laughs> you know, what are you concerned about? Whether or not they pull or not? How old they are? How many hours are on the engine? You know? That's... So the focus here is, it's on me. So if I might ask, if you're not saved here today, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? Because you're saying that, you know, because you're not saved, well, I just haven't chose to seek. No, you've said no. It's worse than that. See, the excuse here is not just being polite. It's a, it's a flat-out rejection. Let's, not, let's go past the politeness and the superficial. This is a flat-out rejection of God. Yep. So next we see the, the third excuse, verse 20. And another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. I don't know where that comes from, but, you know, what's that? Bringer. Yeah, Charlotte said bringer. You know, I wonder if, uh, okay, Maybe he has a marriage supper to go to. Okay, well, two parties, you know. Uh, I was sharing this at our family devotions, and, and I, I kind of made a child version of this story, and I said uh, that there was cake at the party. You know, there's a marriage supper, and so, you know, there's, there's going to be cake, right? So my kids are like, what do you mean people don't want to go? There's cake. <laughs> yeah, like... It's free cake. So, uh, oh man, I mean, just, didn't you guys do that? We're like, Jim Mails, wherever, whenever time he comes, it was his birthday. Yeah. And said, you guys got him a cake. And he's like, oh, it's not my birthday, but hey, let's have cake. Yeah. And then I, last year, you certainly didn't do this for me this year. I'm still bitter. But last year, I got a cake in Roseway and here. So, uh, you know how many cakes I got this year? No, I'm just kidding. I don't, yeah, wow, getting a lump of coal in my stocking this year too, sounds like, 
No, I'm not much of a cake person, actually, but my kids are. And so I was telling this story, and then they were like, why wouldn't people want to come? They were like, it was like David, you know, like the, uh, the, uh, the prophet uh, was telling the story about the, the, the lamb that, uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> that was eaten. And, oh, that's awful. Yeah, so my kids were like, you don't want to, why would you want to go to stage? And yeah, and I'm like, well, what's your excuse? Yeah. You know, that, that's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. So that's salvation, but hey, let's take it a step further, and you know, we can apply this, I think, very easily to hey, Christian, what's your excuse for not serving the Lord? How you and I ought? Yeah. We all have excuses. You know what? Uh, we all have alleys. Be them physical or emotional. We all have alleys. I mean, it just depends on each day. You know, just pick an excuse. Like yesterday, for me, there was a line in the street. That's, there really wasn't. I was being lazy. And then Rachel yells up the stairs, there's a line in the street. I'm like, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a lion, that's sure. Lion in bed. What's the excuse? You know, we all we all can have excuses. But in the context that we see here in our story of Gideon, we find that the Lord dismisses the people. But they were there. Thirty two thousand against hundred and thirty five. They they answered the call and they came and they were willing. God dismissed them. Thank you for coming. Yeah. But guess what? I don't need you. That's completely fine. That, acceptable. that is very acceptable. You know, it's like sometimes where somebody will come and help a church or whatever. And I'm just like, well, I don't know what I can use you for. But why don't you just grab a chair and talk to me? Right? Or, hey, let's, you know, just. that That's. You know, you don't always have to work. You can just be there for the fellowship. Yeah. Yep. Or, you know, hey, don't need you anymore, and then just, you know, it can go, right? Yeah. So, but if the Lord dismisses you, it's okay. Yes, sir. So often, though, we, we are looking for that, that excuse. That doesn't come very often. Because it's good for us to serve him. Yeah. It's good for us. It's good for us to be in a place, even of maybe we're afraid or, you know, a little, you know, I don't, you know, Pastor, I'm not real comfortable with that. But you know what? I know that God can. Right? And you know what I find in my Christian journey that the situations, especially standing up before kids the first time and, and teaching them, I didn't know how or what. And, you know, just they were frightening Three foot tall people, you know, and and they know their Bibles, and I'm just like, what what do I have to teach them? And it was just, you know, being there, being in a role, being that uh, somebody they can look up to, barely, <laughs> but then it wasn't long before they were looking down at me. But what's your excuse? You know what the Lord just kind of brought to mind for me was that one of the, there was a young boy, first 
I was only saved about a year, year and a half. This was while stationed in Germany. And um, pastor put me in teaching sixth grade, uh, fourth through sixth graders. And uh, one of the boys, he was kind of um, rebellious a little bit. Well, he graduated high school recently and he was rebelling against his parents, rebelling against God. And he just, he wasn't saved. At 18 years old, he was on his motorcycle at night, and he pulled out in front of a truck. He was out up to no good, but, you know, you couldn't tell him that. And he died. Now, or when he stood before God, actually he was on his face before God in eternity, what was his excuse? What was that boy's excuse then? 18 years old. I broke my heart because he went off into eternity without Christ. He was that his plan? No, he had he had a plan. I went on his Facebook and you know there was all his friends and you know just you know we'll miss you and blah 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 and you know the, these people these kids they they didn't know God, but I hope that through that, they were considering their eternity. Hey, they realize they don't have an excuse. Because folks, our excuses are not good enough. It's either the blood is upon us or not. Praise the Lord for willing vessels. God is pleased with, pleased with a heart that is willing to be used. Some years ago, a young graduate reported to a law office for training and, uh, or apprenticeship. A senior lawyer who hired him quickly indoctrinated him in the, the office routine. And then the young lawyer was sitting at his desk one day, carried on a conversation with himself. What are you going to do when you finish your apprenticeship? Hang out my shingle and practice law, of course. This is him answering himself. What then? Why? Make a lot of money. Well, what then? Well, when I get rich, I shall retire. What then? Well, I will die. What then? His whole body trembling, he rushed out the office and ran to a park where some few hundred yards distance from the office, and he remained there in prayer, vowing that he would not return to his office or to his room until he had settled his life's work. He saw himself as he was, selfish, ambitious, and sinful. And that was where he bowed his heart to the Lord and got saved. In that particular story, he became uh, an evangelist, and a lot of people got saved as a result. But it, there, it was all down to a place of what then? He was going a certain trajectory in his life, but at the end, he saw himself. Well, what then? What then? In order to be useful to God, we must... He must be the one to excuse us rather than us excusing why we're not serving Him. Because guess what? If the Lord has not excused you, may you not be filled with poor excuses. 
Because that's all our excuses are. They're poor ones. So God is dwindling the army down. Back, Turn with me back to Judges 7. and So we're down from 32 down to 10,000. Now this is peculiar here. This story is just different. And I was watching my dog drink water. And I'm just thinking, okay, that, that does seem weird, right? But then uh, if you have children or grandchildren nearby or loved ones, kids do weird things too. So we won't go there either. But, amen. Verse 4, and the Lord said unto Gideon, I like that. So God is the one dictating terms. That's a good place to be in life when you're allowing God to dictate terms. Yeah, and Gideon's listening and just following, and the people are as well. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Excuse me? God, do you know math? Because... Yeah, because I'm, I only have so many fingers and toes, and there's a lot more for them. Well, he says there are yet too many. Bring them down in the water, and I will try them for thee there. So that word try has the idea of testing, to determine the metal, to determine the true condition of, to try, to test. So we're going to whittle them down. God says, God knew in advance how many of each group would drink a specific way. This definitely does not seem like a winning method of gathering an army to slay the foe. We're going in the wrong direction. Normally you need more recruits rather than less. And then if you choose only certain soldiers, wouldn't you want the crack shot troops, the special forces... Hey, look, if we're going down from 32,000 down to 10, okay, I want these to be like, you know, special forces. Guys that, you know, that one will chase a thousand, right? Okay, that's, okay, and give, heap bullets up, right? So we're going to, here's my, oh, no, that's not the case. It is so far from the case. These, these people that were, were picked were not who you would pick. And if we could put it this way, if you were picking a baseball team, these were the last people picked, okay? I was one of the last people picked last time we played baseball, Kevin, right? The, him and I, and uh, I'm still bitter. Anyway, um, yeah, amen. I'm very bitter, yes, amen. A little puckered here. But uh, these eccentric people, they're, they're different. And, and uh, so they're in verse 5, but God sees them. He chooses them. And so he says, um, uh, so he brought down the people into the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to the mouth, were 300. Okay, so you got 300 drinking one way. And then you have, they're drinking like this, bringing the water to their face. And you have 10,700, 9,000. Yeah, see my math? You know, God, don't you know math? No, you don't know math. You know, so 9,700 where that they're on their knees bowing down to drink. So I've seen many different theories on this, but all I know is that if everyone's doing it a certain way and there's a certain few doing it a different way, they're odd, right? That's just strange. Okay, so 
these people aren't the ones that you would normally pick. They're not going with the flow. They're not the ones that are following what everyone else is doing. So here's what I want you to see. That no matter what anyone else is doing, serve the Lord. Yes. Follow Him. Live for Him. Love Him with all your heart, mind, and soul. You know what will happen? The Lord will use you. The Lord will use you. So... We, we find these 300 are chosen and, and, you know, some say that it's, they were more vigilant because they weren't all the way committed down on their knees and their face in the water. So you can't, you're not really ready for battle. Well, remember, they're up on a hill and the, the enemy is close at hand. So they're vigilant and so the rest are kind of like just still fearful and afraid and almost want to stick their head in the water. Right? Yeah. But that's the normal way to drink, it seems. So either way, why they did that the way they did, it was just they're doing it differently. So 9,700. My paper says wrong. <laughs> I don't know math. I didn't realize there would be math today. But uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I miss it. It's been a long time. <laughs> it missed me, it seems. So there's only 300 left. Yeah. We're going in the wrong direction. In man's eyes, in our eyes. But does the size of an army matter? Not with God. Does the size of a church matter? No. No. Does the size of your family matter? Does the size of anything? God, God is not limited by time or size or money, circumstances. He's not limited. We limit him by availability. Well, he is not limited. So we find these, these 300 peculiar people, and now they're watching all their buddies and family walk away. And you know what? They're left with trumpets and food. Okay, this, I'm not sure how that's going to work now. But uh, so it says here that uh, in verse 7, And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So these 300 plus Gideon are like, Bye. <laughs> Bye. Miss you. <laughs> Pray for us. <laughs> Verse 8. So the people took victuals, food, in their hand and their trumpets. So it doesn't say that they're afraid. No. Remember, these are peculiar people. So it doesn't matter if someone's odd, if they're faithful, man, you can use them, right? Yeah. Amen. And we put the, the uh, fun and dysfunctional, don't we? I, that's the saying we used to say in my family growing up. We put the fun and dysfunctional. We're all different. We come from different backgrounds. We, we look different. and We just are different. But if you love the Lord and live for him and follow him and seek him, we're all going in the right direction. Yeah. And God can do mighty things. Yeah. With these 300, God says, I will save thee. So all these guys have... Did they, were they left with weapons? No, they, they had food and ram's horns. 
Wow. Can you imagine how they felt? Who's looking around? Okay, they got food in one hand and ram's horn in the other. They ain't got room for a sword or anything. But we find them faithful in how that... And he sent the rest of everyone to his tent, verse 8, and retained those 300 men, and the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. So when you're with the Lord, everything else is beneath you. Everything else. A higher plane that I have found. Lord, lift me up to higher grounds. So not only were they, the enemy physically beneath them, but with God, everything. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, 1 John 5, 4. So by these 300 peculiar people, they're going to follow the Lord. And I got to studying this out about the, the trumpet. Why, why the trumpet? And what, what's so significant here? Well, God's going to do something different. Uh, you know, he did something similar with Jericho. In Joshua 6, verse 5, it says, And it, came to, or it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up, every man straight before him. Hey, that's peculiar. Yes. You got these giant walls of Jericho, and you got Israel walking around one time a day. And on the seventh day, they're walking around seven times. And you're going to blow the horn, and everyone's going to shout. People have said, oh, it's the vibrations. And that's what caused... No, God did it. God did it. I don't care how much you yell at the side of a building. It ain't going to do nothing. And, you know... Yeah, if God, yeah, amen. If God ain't in it, it ain't doing nothing. And for those, those walls of Jericho, and they say that they were so wide that you could drive two chariots side by side, that, you know, for those walls to go flat... To not just fall over and splat Israel. They fell flat. And they were able, oh, hey, you know, delivery. <laughs> They'll go right into the city. Yeah. I don't know what it is about the trumpet. The trumpet was a call to battle. The trumpet was also a, a call to worship in the, the time of the tabernacle. But there is a trump coming. Yes, sir. At the last trump. Right? What's that trump? Amen. You might be late for everything else in your life. Oh, amen. And here comes the Lord. I'm looking forward to that trump. Mm, glory. So these men, they have a trumpet. And that brings us to the next part in, in Gideon's life and where that he's He's still a little afraid, and so uh, he's going to have Fura, yeah. his servant. We'll talk about that next time, but how that, okay, there's still, uh, yeah, Gideon and Fura going to go down to the camp and spy. Yeah. One more last encouragement, and then it was like Gideon was sold out after that. Yeah. So this is a very peculiar story, but we can glean a lot from it, can't we? 
how that God is doing just amazing things. And the biggest thing here is that there is no way that man can say, I did this. There's no room for a weapon. There's no room for sharing credit. The Midianites would be defeated because of a few faithful, eccentric trumpeteers. I never looked at it that way. Just people just willing to be used. Leave you with this story. A woman and her little daughter were in a service in which the preacher spoke about how obedience towards God is revealed in the manner in which one attends to the small duties of everyday life. He described how many parents neglected their spiritual duties in the home, how they retired night after night without praying for God's watch care, and how in the morning they failed to thank him for rest, protection, new blessings of the new day. The little girl sitting next to her mom turned to her after she was listening intently and says, Mom, is he talking about you? That kind of got me quick to the heart. This little girl sitting next to her mom listening to the message. And, you know, we all need to be more faithful. Yes. Obviously. But that little girl thought the pastor was describing her mom. Hit very close to home. So, May we be the same person at home as we are at work, as we are at church. It's, it's not easy because the tendency is to just let it go. You know, just kind of like put on a front here. But see, the thing is, is God wants us at home, at work, or at church. And that's what he's teaching Gideon, is that just be it's not how much you do, it's how much you depend. It's not how or how skilled you are, it's about how much you depend on me. Because it's all about him, it's not about us. We can't say, look God, look at all my faith, my, my spiritual, what, look at all that I do. Nope, it's not about that. It's not about how much you do or what you do about how much you depend. All right? Would you stand with me? Just as Jericho's walls fell flat because of obedience, there's a lot of walls in our life that need to fall flat due to obedience. And they can. With God's help. He wants to do it. So remember our service tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, we'll be talking about overindulgence. So as you go home and eat, remember the message. (laughs) So you're sitting there like, oh, three too many pieces of bacon. I don't think any guy's ever said it. So.
if you never have too much bacon, right, Isaac? It's good to see Dave Evans back out, and I'd ask you to pray, but uh, we couldn't hear you if, uh, if we did that. But uh, before we go, I just want to just say, uh, I don't feel led to have an invitation, but I do know that the Lord speaks to hearts. And that if you want to talk about salvation or anything in your life, that's what I'm here for. Don't feel like you're bothering me or bugging me. That's what God's called me to do. Amen. So utilize it. Just say, hey, pastor, can we talk? Look, whatever you need, that's what we're here for, okay? All right, so remember to greet one another and, and uh, encourage one another in the Lord and we'll be dismissed. Oh, uh, Donnie, could you kind of give an update on uh, your mother-in-law?